As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. What's up? Hello and welcome back to Spin Rate. My name is Drew Fairservice, and yes, this is the Athletics Toronto Blue Jays podcast. We are here talking about your Toronto Blue Jays. It's been a wild week already. Cannot talk enough about Vladimir Guerrero Jr., of course, who already off to an amazing start to the season. Broke out of a micro 0 for 10 or 11 slump, three home runs earlier this week, two of which came off of Max Scherzer. Hitting three home runs in a game, something his father never did, something no Blue Jay has done since Kendrys Morales, the immortal Kendrys Morales. Three home run games are really weird. Mike Trout never hit three home runs in a game. Of course, a lot of Blue Jays fans remember Carlos Delgado hitting four home runs in a game. Um, I think it's easy to get focused on that one event, especially early in the season, because it takes your numbers and sends them into the stratosphere. But of course, Vlad Guerrero Jr.'s numbers are already in the stratosphere here. About 80 or 90 plate appearances into the year, maybe maybe a bit fewer, I'm just making it up. He still has more walks than strikeouts. Just off to an unbelievable start to the year. So many uh, cool stories are being told about Vlad. Got a feature in the New York Times, which, you know, that's heady, heady days. So Vlad is cruising. The rest of the Blue Jays, things are a little bit rocky. Of course, Hyunjin Ryu left to start earlier this week with a what we were told is a mild glute strain. Later on, here on Wednesday, when we were recording this, moved over to the disabled list, 10-day injured list, I should say, 10-day injured list, ready to les, optioned down to the minor leagues. But George Springer made his debut this week for your Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, I believe it was not... In a victory, but good to see George Springer in the lineup. Good to see George Springer installed right up there at the top of the order. And I, we talk about what that means. I do this week on Spin Rate, which, if you know, Caitlin McGrath and I, co-host of Spin Rate, we we do an episode on Sunday nights. We talk about the games that, ju- that have that have just happened over the weekend. Do a little bit of a look ahead. Here during the week, it's me and a guest. This week, our guest from MLB.com. You know him from lots of StatCat coverage, StatCast coverage, Mike Petriello. We had a great chat about your Toronto Blue Jays and more, and the world beyond the Toronto Blue Jays, but mostly about your Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, we talked to Mike, uh, so that was a lot of fun. And I mentioned Caitlin, my co-host, if you want to, A, 
get these podcasts as soon as they're live, you got to make sure you subscribe to the show. Subscribe wherever it is that you get your podcasts. You can go to Spotify. You can go to Apple Podcasts. If, if you've got your own boutique podcast player like Stitcher or Overcast, whatever it might be, make sure you, you search for Spin Rate. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you hit us with the rating, the like, whatever it might be. And if you want to read everything that Caitlin writes about the Toronto Blue Jays, if you want to read everything there is to be read, to be read about the professional sports landscape, you got to subscribe to The Athletic if you haven't already. I want you, I personally, this is my plea to you, go to theathletic.com slash spin rate and subscribe if you haven't already. If you have, thank you. If you subscribe to the show, thank you. We're off to a great start, I think, with spin rate here in its early days. One month into the season, we're having a great time. But if you go to theathletic.com slash spin rate and you subscribe, let them know that we sent you. And that makes everybody happy. So it is my pleasure at this time to be joined by Mike Petriello. You read him on MLB.com. You read his stuff all about StatCast. Sometimes you might even see him on your television, be it on the ESPN Nerdcast. And sometimes he might even pop up on your Sportsnet television talking about your Toronto Jays, Toronto Blue Jays. Again, Mike, it is my pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Thanks, Drew. Thanks for having me on your excellently named podcast. It is a delightfully named podcast uh, that I think can work in many different ways. Caitlin and I, we 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 we, stru- we racked our brains and then we came up with spin rate, which is a topic du jour. So we we would you know obviously there's a lot of Blue Jay stuff we can talk about. I'm sure we'll talk about Vlad Jr. Um, but I, I would love to get your your sense, especially starting off as we we have about sort of the state of the game a little bit. There's so much talk about. You know, should they expand the strike zone? What? What's you know? Are we? Are there? Are there enough balls in play? I mean, you know, the the Blue Jays are a team that all, this year we've seen them you know run a thousand relievers out there at times. The game is changing, and we can't pretend like it isn't. Is it changing for the worse, for the better? I don't know. I, I mean, I, I don't think it's a simple answer, but I but I'd love to get your sense in terms of what, what you feel about the game that you've watched change since you've been covering it online for what I don't know ten or fifteen years now. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said that it's changed because it has. It has changed organically. I mean, there have been rules, but, you know, strategies, technology, you name it. And there are a lot of people who think it hasn't. They're like, the game is perfect. It's never changed. And it's like, hold up. Uh, in the beginning of baseball, you know, the pitchers had to throw the ball where the batter told them to. And it was all <laughs> white players and there were no night games and there was no divisions or the DH. I like, guess the game has constantly changed. It has always changed. And I'm of two minds on this because I do think... I do think the strikeout rate is a problem that's not going to stop by itself. We're at like 25% this year. And if we do nothing, I truly believe we'll be at 35% in 10 years. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that's important. I think that's got to be fixed, but I also worry, like we, we need to talk about it, but I just worry if we talk about it constantly, we're doing damage to people by saying like, Hey, why are you stupid idiots watching uh, this game? I, I can give you a good example. I, I grew up a big hockey fan, a big devil's fan. I'm not just saying this because this is a Canadian podcast. I swear it's true. <laughs> and for a variety of reasons, after the lockout, mostly in personal life issues, I just didn't follow the sport for like, you know, 10 years. And last year I started getting back into it. And I, even though the devils are terrible, I really enjoyed it. And I was watching a game and then I saw like this big column, like two days later, like detailing all the problems with hockey. And I was like, oh, I 
I kind of thought that game was fun. I guess I guess I'm stupid for having liked that. You know, <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. I don't say that to pretend we should ignore the problems with baseball because there are problems. There are absolutely are issues. Uh, but I just worry if too much of it is kind of driving things in the wrong direction. I think that it's it's interesting. And one of the things that I first I remember really getting. Um, interested in, in the beginning when, you know, the kind of earlier days of the fan graphs, you know, place that you and I both uh, have, have bylines in the past, but looking at the linear weights by year, and this is like super nerdy, but in a way it was almost like looking at the DNA of the game, because you can see like what, what was a walk worth in like 1919 versus what was a walk worth. And, and I mean, to, to pretend like the game hasn't changed, it would be foolish. And I, I think you all, you can look at what, you know, with rose-colored glasses, we would imagine that was the, the ideal form of baseball. But like 1945-46 was like such a crazy offensive environment. There were so many runs scored and like the game evolved and then they made changes. They lowered the mound. They added more teams. They did this. They did that. So there, there, there's so many changes. Um, you know, it's still the game that we love and we're still here talking about it for a reason. But I, but I think that you're right that the strikeout rate, well, you know, it, it's, it's, it's tricky because I don't know if you're like me, but when you watch someone who, like a pitcher who's dominant, who's spotting like an unhittable pitch in an unhittable spot, for me, it's like exhilarating. It's like, yes, that's such a, that's so amazing. What a great job of execution. But then at the same time, it's like, oh, nobody even bothered. Like the, the fielders could have left their gloves in the dugout that whole inning and it wouldn't have been the same experience. If, if you had to say, if you had to maybe put your finger in one direction or on one thing to say, I think this might be able to kind of make it, make a change that is, acceptable for for not everyone but most folks what do you think that might be uh, i do have an answer to that but just, just quickly to the point you made um, about being exhilarated by strikeouts like i think that's true and i i love watching pitching ninja gifts as much as the next guy but what i've really mm-hmm. come to realize is it's a very different experience if i'm home or at the park right if i'm home mm-hmm. got the high speed camera like, I'm like oh yeah that look at that pitch move that's great if i'm in the upper deck at the park i can't really tell i want to see the ball in play i want to see the fielders running around you know so that's like a big difference for me uh, as far as what should change it's easy um at least for me you got to make life harder on the pitchers right it's not mm-hmm. the strikeout rate it, it kind of drives me nuts when people say it's about the shift because we're in peak shift for like the last four ish years, right? The strikeout mm-hmm. rate's been going up for two decades. <laughs> like this mm-hmm. did not happen at the same time as the shift. Like the strikeout rate is very clearly about increased velocity and fewer fastballs thrown harder, right? Like pitchers are literally using cutting edge, you know, physics doctors, professors, right? Who are teaching them about spin axis and the Magnus force and seam shifted wake. And I hardly need to go through all the stories because like everybody, you know, knows driveline and 10 other places now that are like driveline, right? Adam Montevino and his father-in-law's, you know, uh, store or whatever in Harlem, like batters don't really have that or or at least don't have it yet. So you got to make life harder on the pitchers. To me, that is two things. Um, Number one is a pitch clock which I really like just because it helps increase the pace of play, but also because there's some studies that suggest that the longer you take between pitches, the the more you recover velocity, right? Mm. And the second thing I would do would be to limit the number of pitchers. I haven't decided if that's on a roster or, or used in a game. I'm not really sure which is the right way there, but really everything to me comes back to how do we stop making pitchers go 110% on every single pitch? You know, How do we get back to where they, they need to make the most out of 80% or try to pace themselves because they they won't have a stream of nine guys coming in for one inning. Um, I think that is the only thing that's going to fix it. And I think it's really hard to do 
because it's something that the league and the union would have to agree upon. And number one, they don't agree on anything. But number two, half the union are pitchers who would hate this. So mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. not entirely sure how you make that work, but I don't know what else you would do. Yeah, I I, I would tend to agree. I think that uh, uh, I saw Craig Calcaterra, who uh, runs the Cup of Coffee newsletter, made a, a reference to like induced demand uh, in highways. It's the same as having nine pitchers on your roster, where if you've got them, you're going to use them. Where if you have fewer pitchers or fewer options, you've got to sort of figure your way around. I guess the the other side of that eventually, but I'd say fix that first. Then the fact that every batter in the league can hit a home run in any given at bat and almost any given count, you could we'll figure that out after. Like get the strikeout rate down. If it's just an endless barrage of home runs, okay, that that's maybe not, maybe not an easier fix, but something that can then be recorrected in a, in a way that that is that finds that balance. Because to your point, if you're at the ballpark, everybody loves a home run. Uh, you know, if you <laughs> like, that's the opposite of the of the kind of losing the losing the nuance of the strikeout. I think in a lot of ways, there's no nuance in a home run. So the ball goes over the fence. Everybody cheers and has a good time. Yeah, and it doesn't even have to be a home run, right? I would love mm-hmm. to see a, a great catch. Like that's I, I'm not entirely trying to turn this into the hockey show, but I, I've said it in the past. Like I'd rather go to a one nothing game with a ton of end to end action than go to like a, a four two game where like nothing else happens behind, besides the goals. You know, or a six, like a six four game with five power play goals. Like right, you know, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my 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 selection for that my my fix is to have seven or at most eight foot fences in every ballpark other than like the gimmick fences, like the green monsters and the one in Cleveland. So balls close to the fence, lots of big game saving catches. Everybody wins. Let's talk about your Toronto Blue Jays. Well, they're not your Toronto Blue Jays. They're, they're the collective our Toronto Blue Jays. I've Uh, I've never been to Toronto. I would like to go someday and then make them my Blue Jays. Like you would have a great time in Toronto most of the time, unless of course you are a person who doesn't own a home, then you're like right out of luck. We'll be right back with more spin rate. But first check this out. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The Blue Jays don't make a lot of catches. We're talking about over-the-fence catches. The Blue Jays' defense is something that has been a great topic of debate. I know I've seen you tweeting about it. I'm sure in your hits, if you're talking to different folks um, you know, it, it, about the Blue Jays, defense is something that's definitely co- come up. Is it, is it too maybe, – maybe your perspective on at what point is it too early versus how much evidence in terms of like performance on the field would you say that the, a front office would need to decide – it might be time for a position change. I guess it depends on what the position change would be. Cause I've, I've seen people, you know, I'm not a part of blue Jays Twitter, but I see some of the tweets and I've seen people, I don't know, half seriously say, well, we should put, we should put Vladdy back at third. 
and start Roddy Telez at first base and uh, make Biggio a backup, I guess. Oh, and also flip Bichette and Simeon. And first of all, that seems entirely too many things to do. You cannot just like do all those things at once. I really, I don't like the idea of moving Guerrero. I, mm-hmm. I don't know how much to put into it. I don't know if it's, if it's like he's hitting because he doesn't have to worry about screwing up and looking bad at third base. Like it's, that's hard to tell. Obviously there's more to it than that. Like he's in better shape and he's making better swing decisions and all that, but I would not screw with that. The way, the way he's performing right now, I don't even think at his best, he could be a decent third baseman, you know? Mm-hmm. So if you're not going to do that, it's not like Telez is hitting anyway. I think I saw he got sent out to the alternate was, site today. He was optioned here on Wednesday. Absolutely. Yeah. So if you're not going to do that, okay, then then what are your choices? I guess you could just flip Simeon and Biggio, which I would mm-hmm. consider. I don't I don't think Biggio's got the arm to play third base. So like that's mm-hmm. a problem for me. Now mm-hmm. I know he doesn't have a lot of experience there either. So I want to be cognizant of that and say like they've asked him to do a really hard thing. Like he has not really done this that much. Mm-hmm. And with time, maybe he'll improve. Um, I'm not sure he's got the arm for it. So what I would do if Simeon is cool with it, because I know they offered him the choice and he picked second, right? So you don't want to cause a problem there either. But if he's okay with it, I would maybe say Biggio back to second, Simeon to third. I don't think you can move Bichette right now. He has not yet played a full season in the big leagues at shortstop. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm, I'm usually the low man on Simeon's defense at shortstop anyway. I think he's fine. I don't mm-hmm. think he's, you know, elite. Um, but then you get a couple of DRS seasons and then everybody changes yeah, their mind, exactly. right? Exactly. I, I mean, I think part of the whole narrative there is he went from like truly dreadful to decent. And that mm-hmm. was in and of itself a step up. Um, but I, I, I just I don't think you can make too many changes now. And if you have to do something, um, I think getting busy off third base is the place to start. For sure. And I, you know, as someone who has half seriously or otherwise suggested maybe moving Vladimir Guerrero to third um, isn't the worst idea. That is, of course, contingent on somebody else playing first base, which at right. now with with <laughs> with Telez uh, gone to the alternate site, less of an option. I think that um, you know the Blue Jays have prized uh, flexibility and the ability to move guys around the diamond. But sometimes I think that when someone kind of gets pinned down into one role, that the, 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 the thing that kept them from being full-time in the first place starts to rear its ugly head. So when a guy like Biggio, who's so much of his value comes from that flexibility and that the ability to be the utility guy, when it's like, you're not the utility guy anymore, you're the everyday guy at third. I think it does put a lot of pressure and sort of expose the things that, that kept him from, being that all along, perhaps. So, I guess the the the, the second part to to the ongoing defensive question, and I know that's something that you may have uh, s- s- tweeted about in the in the off season was the Blue Jays are not a team that has an overpowering or overwhelming pitching staff, despite the the great early returns. Are these two ideas kind of at odds? If we're saying the Blue Jays are kind of iffy defensively and their pitching is a little bit of a hope and a prayer, do you think that these are the makings of like a playoff quality club? on the, that side of the ball. It is, uh, as they say, not what you want. I saw, <laughs> I'm trying to remember when it was. It was, I think Matt's pitched in Kansas City last time out before mm-hmm. this. And he, mm-hmm. he was doing pretty well. And then they, you know, booted two out of three balls or whatever it was. Uh, and that I think extended him, you know, like he could have been out of that inning. And then I don't remember exactly how it went, but he ended up giving a home run. But, you know, Matt's is not overpowering, right? And he was pitching well and they put him in a bad spot. And it backfired. It's it's not great. I mean, even Ryu, who's fantastic, is not a huge strikeout guy. You know, he's going to put the ball in play, soft contact usually, um, but you're going to need to catch the ball behind him. It's it's not great. I mean, you look at the Mets who've had infield defense problems, but 
aside from Stroman, they have guys who get a ton of strikeouts. So that works in their favor a little bit. I don't know how you solve that. I mean, I, I think we all thought the Blue Jays had pitching problems coming into the season and they've been okay. You know, bullpen's been better than I thought, even with, you know, Merriweather looked so great and now he's out and I know a lot of injuries are there, but you know, Matt's has been good and, and Ray's been okay. And uh, that's been surprisingly good. I think going back to like, what would I do with the infield? The other thing I might consider is just cutting Joe panic because I'm not really sure what he's there for and using that roster spot on like, even if he, if he doesn't hit just like an elite infield defender, right? The, who you, It's not hard to find those guys who can't really hit, but are phenomenal defensively, preferably one who can play multiple spots, right? Cause then you bring them in. If you have a lead, maybe that's Santiago Espinal. He's, he's okay. Mm-hmm. But like someone along those lines, instead of panic and give Charlie Montoya a few more options, I think would really help. Uh, Santiago Espinal is definitely the, um, Trying to what's the what would be like a more modern way of saying this? Like he is the he is the tallest blade of grass in terms of infield defense because when he has played third base, he's looked the part, which makes him look like Brooks Robinson compared to some of the other <laughs> right. players that are out there. Um, I, I I think that that your your point is a strong one because they don't have a standout defender anywhere on the diamond. I mean, Danny Jansen is a fine defensive catcher but like that's a different kind of defense and that's a whole thing unto itself and i mean i am very high on randall gritchick's defense but he's not he's still not like a guy who's going to just steal outs from the other team as much as he's never going to screw up and is is more than capable in in the two in, you know key outfield spots so it, it is a bit of a it is a bit of a concern um but we'll have to see and it, it might still be early i think that uh, bichette Bichette's tools might not be quite as you know elite, but I think that right now he, he or he has, he has looked to be at least kind of getting in his own way in terms of you know mentality on the field, not mentality. You know what I mean, like kind of forcing his throws or or being really in his own head. Which hopefully you know a couple good weeks that he can he can loosen up and uh, and just let it cut it loose and throw those throw those those seeds across the infield and keep Vlad from doing the splits three times a night. But for the shortcomings of the Blue Jays. The offense is something that I think eventually we'll see come back to life. It's it's not been quite what it was billed as, but just here on Wednesday when we're recording this, George Springer makes his his, his Blue Jays debut. What do you think that that Springer adds? Now they've they've slotted him at the top of the lineup uh, as an offensive player. You know, it, he feels like a, in a lot of ways exactly what they've been needing so far in 2021. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's low-hanging fruit to say adding George Springer is a good thing because right? he's been a star for uh, a number of years. But yeah, you're right. Like, the offense has been okay, but inconsistent, I guess. Like, I'm stunned at how poorly Gurriel has done. Uh, I was stunned at how poorly Teoscar Hernandez did before, you know, he went out. So it can't just be Springer. I mean, that's part of it, right? Mm-hmm. And it can't just be Vlad. You, you will not win with just those two guys. You need Jansen to figure out how to hit. Uh, ever because he's looked uh, terrible. So Springer is going to come in and, you know, I'd like to say right away, he's going to be a big deal because he, he's always been great, but it's been such a uh, a rough start to the season. Like he's missed so much time. You don't know how quickly he's going to be able to get in the swing of things, but setting that aside, I think he'll be really good. Right. And then you can get Grishik in right field and kind of go back to the way things were supposed to be. Um, if it's, if he's right, this is like a huge in-season acquisition. This is someone who changes the complexion of the lineup. I don't know if their uh, long-term plan is to have him leading off, but I think it would make a lot of sense to, because then you push everybody down a little bit and it's huge. It, it can be huge if he's going to be great. But again, uh, you cannot expect Vladdy to hit like this all year. He's hitting like 
2004 Barry Bonds at the moment, uh, which would be great if he can keep doing, but I'm not going to be too optimistic about that. So where is the offense coming from? You know, is Biggio going to figure it out? Uh, is Simeon actually has not been that great, which has been surprising mm-hmm. to me. You know, he's been pretty poor. I was, I was high on him because he played well in the playoffs last year too. And I was combining the regular season and the postseason, and it gave him an above average year. And he needs a big year to prove that he's not a fluke because he's got this one year deal and it just hasn't been there. So really just like inconsistent up and down the lineup so far, aside from obviously Vladdy, who's been unbelievable. <laughs> I'm glad you said that because I was uh, deeply and profoundly offended by your suggestion that he's not going to hit like 2000 Barry Bonds, 2004 <laughs> Barry Bonds for the rest of the year. Uh, which uh, is 2002 Barry Bonds. Let's be two, clear. <laughs> okay. 2002 Barry Bonds. Fair enough. Fine. We can agree to disagree. Um, I, one of the things I like about Springer and is that he brings a little bit of a different look to the to the to the lineup. The Blue Jays, you know, Lourdes Gurriel, Bobichet, uh, even Teoscar Hernandez, and I, I think Simeon to to his own extent, they're a pretty free swinging bunch, which is I think not the worst thing. You know, get up there, go up there, looking to hit. You know, take your hacks really make you know make teams pay when they make mistakes but not everyone's going to do that as as we spoke about off the top here pitching is great and it's 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 never been better and i think that maybe one of the things that people don't don't quite appreciate is that or maybe i I, my my memory suggests is that they're throwing more almost as many strikes as as ever the walk rates are, are is not is not through the roof it's not like everyone's thrown in the other batter's box all the time so you got to be aggressive when you get your pitch, but sometimes, you know, guys, players more like Springer, who has a, a pretty a good high career walk rate. Biggio, of course, is always looking to, to he's a very selective hitter. And then Vlad, uh, who's walking more than striking out. So I think that, that that element is key because players like Guriel and Bichette in particular are just so free swinging. And sometimes it feels like, you know, Bichette, it, it might be a little worrisome that sometimes it looks like he might be getting himself out even a little bit. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think you can make a good point about what Springer brings there, because if you look at his rookie season, the first year up in 2014, and you look at 2020, and I get neither of those were full 162 game seasons, but his strikeout rate last year was one half of what it was when he first came up. Right? Mm-hmm. He used to strike out like a third of the time and he cut it down and he cut it down. And I understand it's impossible to praise anyone who played for the Astros without, you know, <laughs> getting the inevitable blowback about, oh, trash cans, how'd they do mm-hmm. that? And I'm not defending any of that it was morally wrong obviously um, but I don't think it actually had the effect people think it did and it's certainly not the reason Springer learned to stop striking out you know like this is a market improvement over a number of years from a guy who was a top five or ten or whatever pick he was in the draft um, and I think that's something he's going to bring to Toronto and you're right they do have a lot of strikeout in this lineup and he's going to be a really nice piece for that at the top I remember being when he first came up. Uh, I sent a message to a friend, being like, "I don't know if I like this th- that profile of a player of Springer. Like, sure, he takes his walks. It's almost like a three and D guy. Like, he takes his walks, has some power, strikes out a ton, but he can run a little bit. But he's definitely, uh, to your point, like matured and become a, a closer or a very much a star in the league. Like, this is like a four or five win player, a guy that earned an insane payday when and for good reason. And to to your, uh, your earlier point, adding that to the lineup." There's no downside to adding him and pushing somebody else out and letting the rest of those guys kind of fight for what might be a starting job on a, on a team that's trying to be good. Yeah, I, I liked it when he signed it. People were like, oh, they have so many outfielders. What are they going to do? And I'm thinking to myself, it doesn't matter. There's no such thing as too many anythings. You mm-hmm. know, like mm-hmm. someone will get hurt. 
Someone won't play well. Like there's, there's never a problem with these things. You will figure it out. There will always be enough uh, plate appearances, especially with the DH at play. You know, like this is never a problem. More spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply well real quick i'll ask you about the rest of the division so obviously we're talking about the blue jays being a playoff team uh it's been a bit of an odd start to the season um the red sox winning games the yankees losing tons and tons of them i'm sure you can hear the shrieking and meltdowns in the street from your home there in uh in new york uh tampa bay has maybe been a little bit disappointing i don't know if you saw this thing with kevin kiermeyer the other night where he ran in front of randy rosarain determined to make a play determined to get his team back in, the, in their winning ways absolutely crazy but uh you know how much truth and how much fiction have you seen so far maybe in the american league east this year well, well, the biggest fiction is that Baltimore won't be terrible. Let's let's start. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'm proud of myself, I will say I was I was big on John Means heading into the season, and he's looked really good. So mm-hmm. good for the Orioles. Um, I think like everybody else, I'm surprised at the Red Sox. I don't fully buy what they're doing. I'm pretty in on JD Martinez being back because mm-hmm. he's got the track record and. Um, you know, obviously Demers is great and Bogarts has been great. I, the pitching has been surprising to me. Do do you know who Garrett Whitlock is? That's a real question. Garrett Whitlock, I don't know that I do know who Garrett was he. Did he make like three amazing starts la- at the end of last year? Absolutely not. No, no, not even okay. close. No. <laughs> <laughs> that this is sort of. Oh, you might be thinking about Tanner Houck. I think that's who you might. Be yeah, thinking yeah, about. that's who. Uh, that's definitely yeah. what I'm thinking of for real. <laughs> Garrett Whitlock is a Rule Five pick that they got from the Yankees of all places. Right, he's 25 years old, and so far he has gotten into five games as a reliever, 14 strikeouts and one walk. How 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 does a rule fiver do mm-hmm. that? I think it goes back to our conversation about pitchers being too good, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've they've kind of had that. Like Matt Barnes, all of a sudden looks like he's the best closer in baseball. I don't actually believe he's the best closer in baseball, but I, I do think he's pretty good. Garrett Richards, um, it, he's funny, especially on a podcast called Spin Rate. You know, he's been that guy pretty much since day one of tracking, you know, Spin Rate it, with Sackass in 2015 for the last six years. He's never really been that good. He's been hurt. He's been hurt more. He's been hurt again. Hurt a fourth time, probably. And it just hasn't been that great. And he didn't look that good starting the season for the Red Sox either. And then yesterday-ish or two days ago or whatever against the Mets, he looked phenomenal. He looked Mm -hmm. like the guy that he was a couple of years ago. Um, Nick Pavetta has been pitching well sometimes. One of the best stories of the year. I mean, we talk a lot about Trey Mancini coming back from cancer. and That's fantastic. But Mm -hmm. uh, Eduardo Rodriguez missed all last year with a heart condition caused by COVID. It mm-hmm. was probably 
the most serious of any baseball player. I can think, I guess Yohan Moncada got hit pretty yeah. hard too. And other yeah. ones as well. But um, the fact that he's back and, and pitching well, he's got 26 strikeouts and two walks. Like those are good stories, just human stories. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if those guys are for real, I mean, if Rodriguez is an ace again, and if Richards is figuring something out and, you know, if Nathan of all these throwing strikes, which he shockingly is, and Garrett Whitlock is the next big thing. And that's like <laughs> the guy, I'm not sure how much I believe in any of this. Right. But um, they've gotten really good performance from unexpected places and they will probably get Chris sale back at some point. So they're they're I, I kind of lump them and Tampa Bay together. I guess no one's ever really done that before in that. I think people were down on them because they hate them in the sense that like the Rays don't spend money and the Red Sox chose not to keep Mookie bets. And so it was popular to dump on them and I'm not going to, argued that anybody should do anything else, but <laughs> it, it makes it a little, you know, you, maybe you lose objectivity in the sense of, Hey, will this team be any good this year? You know, I think that uh, the thing that I've been saying, uh, you know, when I, if I do radio hits and stuff and the thing I was saying at the beginning of the year is that I, I felt strong that the Red Sox were going to ruin somebody's summer, summer. They were going to either play a little bit better than they, than they expected. They were always going to score runs. That's, you know, JD Martinez or otherwise, they were always going to score runs. And my thing has been that I've said multiple times that they're going to, either the Jays or the Rays or the Yankees, they were going to just like win the series season series in an overwhelming way and ruin their ruin the whole year because those other three teams were, were pretty close. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the Red Sox manage the sort of kind of asset management piece where say, say they come back to earth a little bit, but they're still pretty good. The, the urge to sort of move some of like, Oh, if, if Gary Richards is still pretty well pitching well, but they're maybe on the fringes of the playoff of the playoff picture. Do they, do they make a move with a guy like him or if they do, they trade him at Barnes, whatever it might be. Um, because again, they're, they're a team that's kind of sort of reload and, and set up, which is the, I think the reason why it's easy to be down on them was they didn't do any of that stuff in this off season. They didn't add anybody. They just sort of right. existed. Well, they, they made one trade and it was funny because um, oh. so they traded Ben Attendee to mm-hmm. Kansas City. And that was unpopular in the sense that it was like, well, okay, you traded bets and you're not likely to resign Jackie Bradley. And now you've mm-hmm. traded Ben Attendee. And so two years ago, three years ago, you won the World Series with this like talented young outfield that's going to be the greatest ever. And now you've gotten rid of all of them. And mm-hmm. that was super unpopular. And I remember thinking about it and I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. You know, they got a bunch of minor leaguers back. Who had, honestly don't know that much about um but i don't actually think ben attendee is any good anymore like i Mm. I wasn't that down on this trade and the royals have been good and he hasn't been he's actually been pretty terrible Mm -hmm. there Mm -hmm. so that's one of those trades where it's like i get it like you had mookie and now you don't but i also think heim bloom kind of knows what he's doing (laughs) you know so this may not be the path that would be popular or appealing um but i don't think that this is a team that's going to be terrible for the next five years like that's that's not what he's there for so I guess the last question is 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 we'll leave it with the Yankees again. You are in New York, um, and so you are. I saw somebody referring to it as the Yankees play 162 one game seasons in a year. That's correct. Where it's like, like every that. game is is the, is the beginning and the end. Um, but anyone who's counting the Yankees out is a fool. Are they not? Oh, absolutely true. It's it's weird what's going on though, because the number one question about the Yankees going into the season was, okay, you have Garrett Cole and he's awesome. Will this like patchwork rotation you've put together work? You know, like Kluber hasn't been healthy and Tyone hasn't been healthy and Herman was suspended and it's been okay. Like Cole's been great. Kluber actually looked pretty good the other night. Like I mm. like Montgomery. Tyon has shown flashes uh, and the bullpen's been amazing. Amazing. <laughs> like, like, oh my God, Araldis Chapman just invented a splitter last year and he still throws 98. It's deeply unfair how good he has been. 
and so the pitching's like been okay. Meanwhile, the hitting has been terrible. Like, I don't know if this is still true, but like three days ago, it was true that they had the lowest slugging percentage in baseball. Like the team of Judge and Stanton and LeMahieu and Sanchez had the lowest slugging percentage in baseball. I don't think that's going to keep up all season long. I am willing to go out on a limb and say they will hit a little bit better than that. (laughs) But you know what? You talked a lot about the Blue Jays' defensive problems. Well, the Yankees have that too. I I don't think Labor Torres is capable of playing shortstop. Mm -hmm. And the way their jigsaw puzzle is put together, it's a little tough to do anything about it. They don't have a a ready-made replacement. They don't have Simeon. You you could put Torres at second and make LeMahieu play first and third, and that's fine. Uh, But they need to trade for a shortstop. They need to trade for a very good defensive shortstop. I mean, maybe they'll shoot the moon and go for Trevor Story, which should be fine. Maybe they'll say, okay, I don't know if Javi Baez will hit, but he'll field, right? Somebody like that. I, I don't see how they get through the season otherwise. Boy, Javi Baez can't hit this year. It's a shame. It's a real challenge. No, he cannot. No. Uh, the, the Yankees bullpen is so horrifying, but I, you can't. You, Mike and I are on camera. People who are listening to this can't see my, the Jonathan Loisaga poster that's just off out of the frame here. I love him. <laughs> so much he watching him pitch is ridiculous how he's like pitches in the fifth and sixth inning he's like a cartoon character you put him in a time machine you send him back to even 20 years he wins the Cy Young like four years in a row it's ridiculous I'm like 95% sure you're kidding about having the poster down that hallway but like the 5% <laughs> of me that thinks it's real is super excited <laughs> Uh, I think that's it. Actually, one more thing I want to ask you before we let you go. People who don't know from your your uh, st- studied uh, uh, impartial journalist might remember you from the Dodgers days. If the Dodgers <laughs> l- win fewer than 110 games, is this year a failure? No, no, not if they go win. Not if they go win the ring. That's that's all that's going to matter. They are so good; it makes me upset. Uh, they are so good and they've actually been playing kind of crappy and they're still good. They just had like Cody Bellinger disappear for all most of the season. Um, and they're still like six games over 500. It's ridiculous. It's a shame. You are ridiculous, sir. Thank you so much for taking the time. Tell the people where they can read your work, follow you on social media, all that good stuff. And what else they can, if there's an, uh, what else they can look forward to seeing you in the, in the future. Yes, I. you can find me on Twitter far too often at uh, Mike underscore Petriello. If you forget the underscore, there is actually a French-Canadian Mike Petriello who has the same name. Don't tweet at him. I write at MLB.com, and in two weeks on Sunday, May 9th on ESPN2, we will have a second screen broadcast of the Phillies and Braves game, the, the StatCast alternative show with myself, Jason Benetti, Eduardo Perez. We will have the most fun anyone could ever have Uh, because they actually pay us to talk to each other about baseball. It is wonderful, and we hope you join us. That is exciting. I hope you can help people understand how sprint speed is calculated because it is the thing that that causes a lot of challenges. But I'm excited. I would love to check out that broadcast if you live in a place that you can, where you can acquire ESPN to make sure you dig it up. You got you got something to say? You're gonna you're gonna hit us with this. With I I know how to calculate sprint speed. But. No, I I can tell you if you want. I was just I was just laughing trying to contemplate if I just promoted uh, ESPN two to a country that most people don't get it. In. We our audience spans the globe, my friend. Okay, it spans. The, there are there are people who listen to this show who are devoted Yankees fans who don't even listen to Yankees podcasts. So there's there's one guy that's Rob, but but <laughs> but that's okay. We, it, I, I think I might actually know which Rob you're talking. You know about. who Hi, you Rob. know that Rob. What's Rob up? Shout I. out to Rob, Robert Irkane, the King, uh, Mike. Thank you so much. Make sure everyone, as I said, uh, check out Mike on MLB.com and uh, enjoy the season. Mike, thank you so much. 
Thank you, Drew. So I just want to say thank you, everyone, for listening to this edition of Spin Right. I want to say thanks to Mike Petriello for joining us to talk all the things about baseball in the American League East. Uh, a great guy to talk to. And again, you can't see us. I can see him on camera. He's got a really cool guitar that's hanging over his shoulder. So um, I understand there's a baseball writer band that may be in the works. Hush, hush, shh. Not me. Him. But if you, again, check Mike out on social. Make sure you check uh, Caitlin and myself out on our respective social channels. Make sure you check out Caitlin's stories, the latest this week on The Athletic. And as I may have mentioned before, and I'll mention it again, we want you to go to theathletic.com slash spin rate. Subscribe. Let them, let them know that we sent you. Keep us moving. Keep us going. Really appreciate all the support here in the early season. And we would love to see you give us that rating and that review wherever it is that you get your podcast to, uh, to, to spread the word. Spread, let, let the people know that we're out here talking about your Toronto Blue Jays in, uh, in what's been a very interesting first month of the season. So until we meet again, until we speak again at the end of the weekend, Caitlin will be back with all of the wrap on the weekend and look ahead to the week that is still to come. My name is Drew Fairservice. We'll talk to you next time on Spin Rate.